What's up, folks? Welcome back to Nick and May's Infinite Podcast. Manny is not here. He, uh, my wife left me, and uh, she's gone for the week. So when the wife is gone, you get the boys together. That's what you do. So that's what we're doing on this particular episode of the show. I have a couple things that I really want to talk about. A couple, one thing that's been very overdue, which we'll talk about in the second half of the episode. And in the first half of the episode, we're going to talk about the big new movie, which is Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. So I called in some backup from Fourth and Infinity. I've got Bobby and Arcadio here. Janiv is going to hop in later to talk about Tears of the Kingdom. That's the other topic that we have. And then Arcadio is going to step out at that point because he's a slacker and hasn't gotten to the rest of the game yet. But Bobby, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. You know, a little tired, but honestly, I've been waiting to talk about Zelda for a while. So excited about that. Uh, Indy, um, we'll get to it. Indy, uh, I'm excited about Zelda. Yeah, let's talk about Zelda. Zelda, yeah. Zelda, Zelda, Zelda. Arcadio, how about you? Um, yes, I have been slacking on Zelda. Uh, just a lot, of, a lot of things going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like I, I, I don't know. I, I just haven't been in the the mindset to like throw myself into it. But I did watch Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, and I have thoughts. We all have thoughts. So I don't know if Arcadia rewatched any of these before the movie, but Bobby and I rewatched all the previous four Indiana Jones movies heading into this one. We can talk just a little bit in general about how we feel about the franchise. Uh, Arcadia, since you didn't watch them, I don't think you can go first if you want. Yeah, so um, my experience with the franchise, I first got into it back when Kingdom of the Crystal Skull came out in, what, 2008 or whatever it was. I saw that in the theater, and I hadn't seen any other movie before that. And yeah, like I, I, I don't remember enjoying it too much, but it was fine. It was a decent enough time. Um, so I, I was never really motivated to go back and watch the other three. And then not too long ago, I finally watched the whole series from the beginning. And yeah, I really enjoyed uh, the first three movies, particularly the third one. I think The Last Crusade is probably my favorite one out of the whole series. But yeah, I'm not like a huge Indiana Jones person. So I guess that's the angle that I'm coming in with. Okay. Bobby, how about you? Um, I grew up on these movies. I mean, like a lot of movies. Um, but my dad introduced me to all three of the original ones uh, pretty early on. I don't remember ever not really knowing about the character. Um, and for really a long time, the first and third, so Raiders and uh, Last Crusade have always been my two favorites. Um, I think I can say that Last Crusade is probably my favorite one, but they're both five-star movies to me. And then Temple of Doom is, is a fun movie that has some stuff that doesn't quite hold up, not quite as tight of a, of a movie as far as like the, you know, the characters and the plot and stuff, but it's still a good time. Uh, and Harrison Ford is just iconic in the role. Um, mm-hmm. Was always a big fan of like the Indiana Jones, Disney stuff, the show that like at Disney World when I would go as a kid. So definitely a, a big fan. Uh, Crystal Skull is what it is. I saw it in theaters and didn't really think I was like, eh, it's kind of disappointing. Had some stuff I didn't like, um, but I didn't like hate it. Rewatching it, I, I don't can't say I like the movie, but it's it's okay. It is what it is. I can watch parts of it, okay. but yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan. So I was going into it expecting a kind of a big send off for uh, the character. Yeah. So my origin story is somewhere in between you guys. I haven't been a lifelong fan, but I've been a big fan. I guess the last seven or eight years or so. Um, my first experience was kind of sort of technically King of the Crystal Skull. I was just about to turn 10. Uh, I've told the story before. My last trip to the drive-in theater nearby us was uh, in 2008. The double feature was Kung Fu Panda and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. 
uh, Kung Fu Panda was first, which I watched and enjoyed, and then Crystal Skull because it was late at night at the drive-in. I fell asleep. I don't remember much of it from that. Um, so then the next year, my mom, my mom's always been a big fan. She was the person who basically showed me these movies and told me about these movies. I think the next summer, so when I was 11, I watched the first three on VHS because we still had a VHS DVD dual player back in back in the day. Uh, that was how I first watched them, and then I watched Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, I think, on cable after that. Um, I remember liking Crystal Skull at the time. Like, I don't think I knew that everyone fully hated it because I didn't have the internet back then. I was just like, oh, this is fun. And I didn't think it was too big a step down from the first three, although I did really like particularly Temple of Doom the first time around just because it was all action, uh, especially in the second half. And that was kind of where I what I thought about anything at the time was if it has a lot of action, I'm going to enjoy it. And my tastes have changed a little bit since then. I got them, I think, senior year of high school, something like that. I got the Blu-ray set, watched them all over and over and over and over and over again. Uh, Last Crusade is probably my favorite. Actually, it's definitely my favorite, but Raiders of the Lost Ark was always one that I loved but never totally worked for me, and this time around it actually did. Uh, I agree with Bobby that uh, the first and third movie are both five-star movies, so I'm a big fan of these of this franchise. I'm a big fan of even in the uh, even in the, the the two lesser ones, if you want to call them that. I still really like Temple of Doom to this day, but even in Crystal Skull, there's a ton of Spielberg flair that I think makes that movie more watchable than it deserves to be in a lot of cases, and I do still enjoy that movie to this day. I can't outright defend it, but I enjoy it for what it is, and I think it does a lot of good, smart stuff with updating the character, and does a lot of stuff that just makes sense, uh, which I can't say for the fifth entry in this in this series, if you guys want to move on to that. <laughs> sure. Are we ready? Yeah. Okay. So, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny came out on June 30th, 2023, directed by James Mangold. Uh, a couple years ago, I don't remember, I want to say 2020 or 2021, Spielberg stepped down, and they hired Mangold for the role. I'm generally a James Mangold fan. I've liked all the movies of his I've seen. I love Logan. I love Ford v. Ferrari in particular. Um, there's a couple I still haven't seen from his filmography, but I was like, yeah, a good pick, like a, a safe a safe pair of hands. I thought of all the people they could hire, it's not like ha- what I think happens with Marvel a lot where they just hire someone that has one or two tiny movies of experience that they can more or less control the production process with. I thought it was someone that, okay, he might actually be able to make something good out of this, and I still had faith in it. And I remember liking that first trailer when it came out. I don't know if you guys enjoyed the trailers as they were happening, but they actually gave me a little bit of faith in this movie. Oh, I loved that first trailer. That first yeah. one? Put yeah, me yeah. in tears. I did Put too. me in the tears, and I'm one. not even, like, nostalgic for the franchise. Yeah, I, I was, like, I was I was thrilled that Mangold was taking over, because I'm a big fan of, like, all his movies I've seen for the most part. And, um, yeah, that first trailer got me pumped, for sure. I was, I was excited. Yeah, same thing with Mangold. I'm, I've been a fan of pretty much every Mangold movie I've watched. Identity is one that like oh, yeah. from earlier in his filmography that mm-hmm. I really, really enjoy. I even like night and day. Like, you know, I know that's oh. a movie that not a, not a lot of people like enjoy. I find that movie a lot of fun. So like, I, mm-hmm. I like, you know, even his quote unquote lesser movies usually. Yeah. I think it's actually easier to say the ones I have seen, which are the two I mentioned for B Ferrari, Logan and the Wolverine. In addition to those, I think that's all I've seen. So I'm missing Identity, Walk the Line, 310 to Yuma, Night and Day. Ooh, you have to watch 310 to Yuma. I know. I literally put it in the Blu-ray player last week, and then but and like yeah, 30 I, seconds in, before the logo stopped, I'm like, I'm too tired for this. I'm gonna fall asleep. Uh, yeah, so I, I rewatched I took that it out. before. Before I rewatched all the indie movies, I rewatched that just to watch a Mangled movie. Yeah, I, that's that was my mindset. I'm like, I'll watch the Mangled movies, at least one or two of them that I haven't seen, and that did not happen. But I'll get to it soon. Yeah. So, like we said, this fir- the first trailer. I loved it, but I was also like, a mm, couple of those shots don't look so good, though. Looks a little bit, uh, looks a little bit yeah. fake. Got Specifically, kind of a, a shot with him yeah. on the horse at the yeah. parade. That whole sequence yeah. at the parade, which we'll get into, um, in terms of 
why I don't understand some of the decisions they made with this movie um, in terms of production. It really looks terrible. Like all the parade shots look look pretty bad, especially the one in the trailer with him on the horse that you were talking about. So there were a couple of shots that gave me pause in terms of, oh, this movie might not look as good as it want to, especially for being $300 million or so with whatever it's, yeah. it's officially I don't cost. I understand. I've heard like lie. 250 to 329 is like the budget range for this. And uh, yeah. you don't really see it on the screen. <laughs> you really you don't. don't. I mean, you and, see that they're in multiple like locations, and obviously, the like Harrison Ford is going to be relatively expensive, and but yeah. there's they had to do a lot of uh, CGI that they I don't think they needed to to make us in an, an indie movie. Like, no, it, it looked like every other major blockbuster we've seen in the last like six or seven years. Yeah, it's just, yeah. I'm I'm just I'm really tired of that overly reliant on CGI style and just everything looking fake, like you said, like. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's a couple shots that I was like, how did this make it into the movie? Um, particularly uh, early on, I think it's it, where, where it's in the flashback and it's uh, Indy like jumping across the train from a distance. Uh-huh. And it just looks like a PS2 character like, <laughs> doing the jumps. He doesn't have any physics at all. Um, and it's clearly just not a human being. Like there's yeah. a couple shots like that in the movie. That I'm like, why is that there? Yeah. I've always thought, you know, the Indiana Jones movies, they're perfect blockbusters in the sense that they're immaculately made for the silly action movies that they are. And I think they go a bit above and beyond silly action movies at times. But ultimately, that's they're just perfectly made for the type of movie that they are. And I, I feel like a lot of that didn't really carry, under, carry over into this movie, whether it's from the production side of things, from the little bits put into the script that I think make those movies better than they deserve to be. Um, just all, all that stuff that kind of gave those movies their unique identity, I think is pretty much lacking here, except for Harrison Ford. And we can talk about it in a little bit, but I still think he feels less like the character than, than he ever has before. And I think even in Crystal Skull, he was old, but he still felt like the same character. And I don't really feel that here. Um, I'm already kind of tiptoeing around a bunch yeah, of stuff. We can just start. Your... From the, we can just take it from the top if you guys want. Do we, do we want to do just like a general thoughts first, and then go into more specifics on the movie? Or that's a better idea. Do Let's that? do that. Okay. You can go first then if you want. All right. I think out of all of us here that saw it, um, I'm the only one that like you know quote unquote liked it. Like I, I gave it a three stars, but it got me by the very end. But there's a big chunk of this movie that I just thought was rather dull. Um, like there were things happening on screen and I was following it and like I was engaged enough, but I was like, okay, let's get to something more exciting or whatever. But then another scene would happen that I do really enjoy. So it was very up and down. Um, we'll get into what I actually liked and didn't like as we get into like details, but yeah, it's, it's kind of a, it's the, I think I said, it's the definition. Um, what did I say in my review? It's like the, uh, of a mixed bag. It's a, it's, it's. A lot of good, a lot of bad. Um, the good in the very end outweighed it, but it's it's not it's not a great movie, and I really wish it was. Yeah, Arcado, what, what about you? Yeah, so uh, generally, I should mention my experience watching this movie. Um, I saw it on a Saturday night after not having had much sleep the night before, and after having volunteered at this uh, community thing in what 105 degree heat but i wasn't outside most of the time so that wasn't too bad i went in and i was already feeling pretty tired and i couldn't really get comfortable in my chair and then the movie started up and i was i was trying to keep my eyes open but i still kind of just kept drifting in and out for most of the runtime until really like the last act 
Like I got up from my chair several times to try to like wake myself up to, to keep myself interested. And I, it, it was just an uphill battle the whole time for me. Um, a lot of that had to do with the movie itself, which I thought, like, I think I texted you guys in the middle of it. And I was saying, I cannot keep myself awake during this boring ass movie. Like there was a lot of action scenes, but I didn't find any of them particularly engaging until again, the very end. I, I thought the stuff at the end almost brought it back. Almost like that was definitely the best part of the movie, but in general, it was not a great experience on my end. Um, during one of the times I got up, I went down to find like a, a roomier chair, a roomier seat because I was kind of like cramped in cause there was several people next to me. So I went down lower to find a roomier seat and I guess that kind of helped because it also coincided with getting towards the end of the movie. But yeah, I did not particularly enjoy this one. I think, I mean, I haven't seen Crystal Skull in a long time, but I feel like I enjoyed Crystal Skull more than I enjoyed this one. Yeah, I generally agree with both of you here. Um, it's, I would say it's definitely, since I just watched them all, it's definitely my least favorite of the five, which I was probably more hype for this than anybody even in spite of all the red flags i'd i'd seen in like the second trailer and everything uh i ended up being very disappointed in this one um it's interesting that bobby says it's the biggest mixed bag ever because i don't think there was enough stuff i thought was really good for me to call this a mixed bag i agree and like i went i think two and a half on my rating not god awful or anything Mm -hmm. like competently like competently written overall i think like individual scenes don't feel terrible the performances don't feel terrible they don't feel wooden or anything necessarily um but it just it just doesn't click and it doesn't en- didn't engage me at all from scene to scene things like it didn't even feel like things were happening it, i was gonna say things just happen and then you move on to the next scene it doesn't even feel like that like it doesn't feel like th- there's much yeah. flow to flow to this whatsoever like nothing happening feels engaging to me at all and you have like i said actors who are doing fine but they're not really given enough to work with with their material i think harrison ford is by far the best thing about this movie but like i said i don't think he feels a ton like indiana jones we can get into that a little bit more here in just a minute, but yeah, just this one didn't click with me. And I in general agree with both of you that the third act threatened to bring me back is how I would describe it. And then once we got to the cool stuff happening in the third act, I still thought it had the same problem of looking terrible. Like a lot of this movie did. And that kind of took me out of it. And we talked a lot about the, the choice that the characters have to make in the third act, Arcadia and I in particular did. And I thought it was total nonsense and it didn't work for me in the slightest, like none of it landed for me. Um, so that kind of hurt the third act for me as well. And the last couple scenes are cute and like they're, they're nice. And I will admit I teared up a little bit at the very end of this movie, but it didn't do enough to save me at any point. So yeah, also not a big fan of this one. Um, we can just kind of go chronologically. We don't have to go every single beat for this movie. Cause honestly, I'm going to forget a lot of the beats. Let's just movie. say like the opening, which we'll know what that it's a big yes. sequence. Like, yeah, I have yeah. the, I have the, it's Wiki- a very big sequence. Yeah, uh, I have the Wikipedia plot synopsis open here, so I'll kind of mention the beats that it mentions. I'll probably forget a lot of details because it's unmemorable. But yeah, like you said, the opening takes us back to so 1944. That would be six years after Last Crusade, I believe. I think that's in 38. Okay. Yeah, so it's technically, I, I was about to say, the oldest Indiana Jones you've ever seen. That's a lie. Ignore that. That is a lie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it takes not. place after Last Crusade. Uh, World War II is about to end. Um Indy is with his buddy Basil Shaw, played by Toby, uh, Toby Jones. And I remember in the first, I, I don't know if they mentioned that line in the first trailer, but he says that he has a, like, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is, is his goddaughter. I think I told you, Bobby, I'm like, oh, she is 100% Marcus Brody's daughter. That just made sense to me. Yeah, you did tell me that, yeah. 
and they just don't go that direction at all. They kind of introduce this Toby Jones character, and I feel like it doesn't right. have it didn't have to be like a fan service thing, like my like Marcus Brody's daughter, but it felt weird to just kind of introduce this character out of thin air to me at this point in the franchise, and then just establish this ex- this extra familial connection to a character we have no attachment to. I get kind of why they did it story wise a bit, as far as like if you're just gonna pitch what that what happened to that character and their obsession, like the character's obsession and everything, and passing it down. It's yeah. like, well, we haven't really been introduced to any of that. So if you're going to make that the plot, then I guess a whole new character kind of makes sense. And, you know, Indy has a lot of friends. So I, I didn't hate that. Um, yeah. I thought it was whatever. It was fine. Yeah, it, it kind of was what it was. It, it doesn't like not work in the movie, but I, I was still like that seemed like a slam dunk to me. And probably as part of it just being my assumption of the way they would go and they went a different direction. But yeah, so Basil Shaw's his friend there in I don't know where they're actually at. Are they just in Germany? I don't even remember in this opening. Um. Oh, where did this take place? I knew when I was watching the movie because I said it a few times, but... Um, All it says is during the Allied liberation of Europe. It's very vague. Yeah. Uh, Nuremberg? Oh, yes, Nuremberg Castle. Yes, I see it here. Anyway, so Indy gets captured by the Nazis, and um, Mads Mikkelsen shows up playing a younger version of the character who would be the main antagonist of the movie, and they're talking to him about this this lance, and I'm like, oh... So this is just a red herring, and the lance doesn't matter. The dial is going to show up somewhere else here in this sequence, and it mm-hmm. does. the uh, The titular dial of destiny, which we'll talk about what it is in just a little bit. So the whole twenty to twenty five minute opening sequence that they hyped up. We should mention Indiana Jones is de-aged in this entire sequence. It's Harrison Ford, and in still shots, this looked really good. In motion, this looked terrifying. It looked like you said, like a PS2 game. It just does not work. It didn't sound very good. Either. You know what, what's interesting about this, and I haven't really given a lot of detailed thoughts. This whole section is something that I actually really, really liked. I really liked this entire opening sequence. Um, mm. So that's one of the things that I think I liked more than you guys did that helped me with the movie because I like the beginning. And I generally like the end. Mm. Um, it to me was a fun, it was a really fun sequence. And I don't know if it was the theater, the format I saw it in um, super Emacs here, which is basically a little bit bigger IMAX. Um, which you would think would make it look worse if it looks bad. And honestly, it did not like the, the de-aging. I noticed it a little, but it did not throw me out of the movie um, at all. There was when he first speaks, the very first time he speaks, it sounds like old Harrison Ford speaking in a younger Harrison Ford's body. But after that, because he doesn't talk much during that whole thing, I was having a lot of fun with that. So um, that's probably one major difference, because I'm assuming that it just it sounds like both of you did not like this entire part here's my thing here's my thing in theory i like the idea of starting the movie with a young indiana jones sequence kind of like with the last crusade but um i thought this sequence just went on far too long i think if it were something like closer to last crusade like five to ten minutes i want to say that sequence lasted if it was something like that you, you can just condense all the the plot points that you need to condense into five or 10 minutes and accomplish the goal that you need to accomplish without making it feel like it was the movie was just going on forever and just like not starting almost. Yeah. I mean, the, I, the present day stuff doesn't start until like the 26th minute of the movie. Right. Which again, like I get, but I was having fun with it. And especially looking back on the movie, it was the most different type of action other than for good reason, the very end that we get in the whole thing. Like, you know, um, it's Indiana Jones doing, uh, being a bit more active, um, in the action. 
Yeah. And I enjoyed that, especially looking back on it. But overall, I just thought it was fun. I thought it was directed very well. It had some kind of the Spielberg flair as far as the fun moments um, with him disguising himself um, and, you know, having fun with the the different Nazis and everything that he that he goes into pretending to be the whatever, like and then being caught by having the bullet, you know, the bullet hole in the back of the uniform, all that stuff. I thought it very much yeah. felt like um, in like the original trilogy, which. Yeah. So that feel and the whole tone of it and the way it was done, I was just like, give me more of this. This is good. I don't, the, you know, obviously if it was an entire movie like that, I wouldn't enjoy it because of the de-aging and it would have caught up to itself. But for what it was, I enjoyed that quite a bit. Yeah. You're mentioning moments I liked, like the, I really like when he steals the jacket and they see the bullet holes in it. Like that's a good moment. I like the part where he gets shot by his buddy. That's another fun part. There's like fun indie style moments in the sequence, but I think, Again, like I'll come back to probably way too much and I'll I'll just sound like a broken record, but I still think it looks bad because it's it's a lot of it's a lot of CGI, a lot of fast moving stuff on the train. And it's so dark like you can't you can barely I could barely see what was going on. I saw this in IMAX like I was genuinely struggling to see when they were doing when they were showing the stuff in the dark, like on the top of the train. I'm sure it was partially made so dark so they could hide the de-aging effects a little bit better if I had to guess why. But I just kind of struggled to see all the stuff that was actually in the dark on the train and that kind of that detracted from it for me. So it might just been a projection issue, but I do generally think a lot of movies are kind of like their color palette is just very dark and muted. And I think that does still exist in this movie and in and the in the rest of it. And this particular sequence being too dark was something I, I felt. But yeah, like it's a fine it's a fine sequence. I do agree. It goes on a little bit too long. I think in my head it felt shorter than I thought it would be just because I'd heard it was going to be a 25 minute sequence. Um, it didn't feel like 25 to me, but it also, as a sequence itself, felt like it dragged. So somewhere in between, I guess, is how I felt about the length of it, of it and everything. But yeah, so ultimately what happens, uh, he punches Mads Mikkelsen in the face and they find this dial that he has. I don't remember if they say that it's Archimedes dial here in the opening. I think they do. I'm not 100% sure. But Also, Mads Mikkelsen gets like clotheslined and he would definitely be dead. Like, <laughs> yeah. There's no way he survives. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, but like, it's like a there. bridge or something that clotheslines him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, they swap out the they swap out the thing. They give him they pretend to give him the idol. They swap it out, and so Indy and Basil escape, and they go meet with the allies and everything. And that's the end of your opening sequence. So yeah, it was fine in, in my opinion. Bobby liked it a little bit more than both of us. I didn't hate it, but it had had too many drawbacks, I would say. But so we cut to this movie's present day, which they immediately reveal. I don't think they ever say the year explicitly, but because they just landed on the moon, you're supposed to know it's 1969. Uh, so it's right. I think 14 or I think it's 12 years after. Crystal Skull. I think that's in '57. I'm not 100. Plus, sure. they're, plus they're playing um, the Beatles' Magical Mystery Tour, which was like '68, '69. There you go. You, you know more about that than I do. Um, yeah, so I, I do enjoy the first scene where Indy's just asleep in his in his armchair with like two inches in front of the TV with the TV still on. That's classic old man stuff right there. And he's getting angry about all the kids celebrating under him. Like he's feeling very get off my lawn in the opening in the first couple yes. scenes, which very, I, I, I mean, enjoy from a Harrison Ford. Yeah, he literally right. tells young people to turn the music down. Turn like, the music like, down. Yeah. <laughs> like, that, that's if you're just writing a stereotypical scene of what old man, old guy does. It's that. Yeah, and they have. I like that. I like yeah. that. I didn't. I didn't I, yeah, I didn't mind it. I, I thought it was kind of fun. Like I was like, oh, that. I mean, you know, it's very stereotypical. But the way they did it with his character, I'm like, this is this is funny. I, I can yeah. I can get behind that. And I should mention in that opening shot or first couple shots, they show picture Shia LaBeouf with a folded up flag next to him. So. 
this is one thing, Bobby and I will talk about the leaks later in terms of what we had heard about this movie beforehand, because I want to know what you heard. Um, okay. But this is a thing I knew was that Mutt was going to be dead and that he was going to be divorced from Marion. That's what I knew going into this movie and that this movie would probably have time travel. Those were the things I actually yeah. knew for sure. So the um, things that I was talking about, which I'll get into that I mentioned that you saw is uh, people posted very, very fake leaks that I knew was not real. But some people took it very seriously and were like okay. already hating on the movie. prior to so that was what i was more talking about i didn't actually know any of the like movie going into it gotcha yeah i I didn't i didn't see any of this like i i didn't like search out or pay attention i I stumbled into this one i stumbled into everything i ever saw like i I didn't want to hear anything about the movie i i stopped paying attention to the trailers after the first one too even though in all the theaters i could hear all the dialogue and everything but um yeah so he goes to a different he's teaching at a different college he's actually in new york city proper like he just lives in a new york apartment he is miserable he has students that don't give a shit i like that part of it um and i like the i like the very fake like everyone's acting very fake happy around him during his retirement very, ceremony very very right. minor detail but i wish he was wearing his glasses when he was teaching because he always pretty much is and he was true yeah make, I, make oh, him, I didn't even think about that yeah yeah i didn't even think about it didn't think about it either but uh, especially yeah. as an old man yeah yeah as a sequel to Crystal Skull, which we'll also talk about this, they've ended this series twice before. Like they've given them a perfect ending in t- in different ways on two separate occasions, and we have to undo it again. Um, but given that that's what they did, I think they do a good job in these first couple scenes of showing how miserable his day to day existence is at this point. Like there's a good yeah. setup for the arc they try and give him in this movie, I would say. But yeah, I like we get introduced to Phoebe Waller Bridge's character, who he doesn't recognize her. I thought he would. When she start when she showed up, but he didn't. Given that they have a, a godfather goddaughter relationship, I thought he would recognize her. Uh, they they wait for a couple scenes before they reveal that, but she's the only person in the class who cares and knows anything, and that's a decent setup for a character and also a fun little misdirect, I will say. I'll give this movie credit where it's due as we go, but yeah. So he has his retirement party. It's miserable. I do like the moment where they give him. It's like a clock they give him, and he just gives it to a yeah. homeless guy when he, he walks out of the building. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, <laughs> yeah, they give him a clock because dial the whole thing. Like, there's a yeah. lot of clocks and watches and stuff in this movie but yeah he just hands yeah. it to a homeless guy yeah so if you all bridge meets him they hang out at a bar we get a lot of exposition about the dial itself and we learn that they're being watched by is it the fbi i think it's the fbi cia i believe cia is it it's the cia okay. cia yeah. and this this part was kind of unclear to me they're working with mads mickelson i don't know how much they know about what he's doing well no so yeah they they i don't think they do fully um they essentially gave him because of what he did for the moon landing, they kind of gave him free reign for a few things. He was looking mm-hmm. for something. He's looking for that dial. So they help him do that. So he works on the moon yeah. stuff. Like yeah. on the, so they didn't know anything about him being a Nazi and all that stuff, but they just wanted Yeah, I was going to say, if they had any idea what he was actually doing, his, they wouldn't have helped him. Yeah, because <laughs> that character is based, I forget the real person's name, but there was like an actual like Nazi in NASA that worked on stuff. And like they kind of based the general idea of his character around that, that mm-hmm. guy. Um so it, that was interesting. I kind of liked that, that he was yeah. part of that whole thing. Also, they kept uh, his Mads Mikkelsen's character's alias was Dr. Schmidt. And I kept yeah. thinking of Toby Jones and yeah. Johan Red Skull. Schmidt from the <laughs> yeah. Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> yeah, I see yep. it. Yep. Yeah. So we have the scene. Helena is her name. Uh, Feeble Arbridge's character. They bring mm-hmm. up the Wombat. dial. Wombat. Yeah, that's what he calls her. And we get a flashback scene a little bit later. But so the dial has two halves, right? One half is missing and the other half indy has now because he took it from her dad like 10 years 10 years prior or whatever it was 
So it was already getting a little bit convoluted with me with this with this MacGuffin already at this point in terms of who wants to dial, who's got what, and where are they looking for it. I at least wasn't following it, and I don't think the movie did a good job of explaining no, it or at not. least <laughs> keeping things clear. Obviously, you were asleep, Arcadio, so I get it from your standpoint. Yeah, I didn't have much of an issue with, like, to me it was just like, MacGuffin, go get MacGuffin, and it didn't, it wasn't that confusing to me because I know he had a half and had to get another half. Like, okay. it, like I, you know, I was following the general bullet points because I was like, I, w- I wasn't totally asleep. I was like in and out on a lot of the parts, but like I still had a hard time just caring about that was the well, thing. What, what caring was versus on. following is yeah, that's a different thing. I think if they if the exposition was handled in any sort of interesting manner, visually or just presentation wise, it would have made maybe made me care a little more. But it's just straight up exposition. Like I always think about the scene in, in Raiders when they're in like the big hall in Indy Station on yeah. the on the chalkboard, and you have like four distinct characters bringing all their personalities out from moment to moment while you're getting all this exposition, and you get none of that here. It's just shot reverse shot. They're talking to each other, giving you exposition, and that's just all you get. And you get occasional cutbacks to see that they're being watched or whatnot. It, it but... reminded me of like, um, uh, oh, what's it called? The Treasure, um, Nicholas Cage movies. Oh, National uh, Treasure. National Treasure, Treasure di- like dialogue a bit of like just spouting off historical things mm-hmm. at times like that. That's kind of what it reminded me of instead of the Indiana Jones movies. Yeah, I've never seen those movies. One day I should. They're pretty really? fun, but that's yeah. like I like those movies, but there's a lot of scenes where Nicolas Cage is, is just like listing like facts about stuff. Mm-hmm. So historical that's what facts, it kind of reminded yeah. me of. Yeah. Uh, we should mention uh, about Mads Mikkelsen, just because I think it's fun to mention. He's a teacher at the University of Alabama, Roll Tide. Yeah, I know. I, I want to <laughs> he hear fits him right say in there. Roll Tide. <laughs> Roll Tide. They should have had him say it. Was that was yeah. that an expression for them as far back as 69? I assume it would have been. I have no idea. I think it was. Probably. Jane, if you're here with us, can you look that up for us? Like, uh, what's his face on the Joe Rogan show? Can you, can you be that for us right now? Um, yeah, he, gave, he did give me the name of the guy I was talking about in NASA, uh, Warner Von Braun. Yeah. The guy who um, went from being a Nazi to leading NASA's rocket program. Yep, that'll do yep, it. Yep. So yeah, you can see the inspiration there. Um, we get the big chase scene here in just a moment, but you get Helena's true motive in this moment. She wants to steal the dial to sell it to pay off all her debts in, uh, I think, Tangier is where she has all her debts at, which we get to in a minute. But I don't know how I felt about this whole take on on her character in general. I, I don't know. She was fine. Fever Waller Bridge was fine. I didn't. I found it hard to care about her character because of all the he, all the twists and turns like, they had. She was almost like Belloc in that sense, like I guess, indie, but she doesn't have the passion but, about it that Belloc had. She just well, kind of no, saw it it's, as it's just the money. a get rich scheme or just a way yeah. to get out of her debts. Mm-hmm. Which I didn't really completely. I didn't really dislike her character. I didn't think she was amazing, but um, like that whole aspect and that Indy had to kind of teach her, you know, why it was important to you know essentially to not do that. Like good setup. I don't think they fully captured like captured it, but you know, I thought she was relatively entertaining. Yeah, they give up on kind of the wishy washy nature of her character halfway through, and she just becomes a good guy for the rest yeah. of the movie, which I think mm-hmm. is a bit of a waste opportunity. We can get to that in a little bit, but Janeth has shared the Roll Tide story. Let's hear. Let's see here. Oh, the nineteen seven Iron Bowl. Nineteen oh seven. So that's when they said that's when they coined Crimson Tide was nineteen oh seven. So yeah, so he could have said it. I choose to believe he did say it at one point or another. Okay. I think he had to um, if he was there. Yeah, so we get this uh, this action sequence, for, which starts, I think, in the college, because I think it's people from the college that get murdered by Boyd Holbrook mm-hmm. and, everyone, and everyone else, which I heard a couple was, people talk about. Yeah. This is a kind of mean-spirited movie in terms of innocent people just mm-hmm. dying. It kind of it felt is. old school in that one regard. 
They just kill off yeah. every every not terrible person who's a side character in this movie, except for your main characters, and that's it. But yeah. um yeah, Boyd Holbrook, I, I don't care for Boyd Holbrook. That's my take. He does nothing for me. This. He, he did generally doesn't me. do it. He generally doesn't do much for me. He didn't like I don't know. He didn't add a ton, but I liked the look of his character in this, and he made for a good, just hateable, you know, just kind of punchable he, face. He just felt like the same character that he played in Logan. Yeah, a bit. Literally the uh, exact yeah, I, same. He didn't stand out a bunch. I'm just saying, like, I was like, okay, like, he's, you know, he's a serviceable henchman, basically. Worked That's all I could me. say for him, I guess. Yeah. I was hoping Not, I was hoping by no means was he By no means was he great. Yeah. Yeah, so... They start chasing Indy and Helena. They get split up, and so Indy is on his own throughout this chase sequence. And so this is where you get your big sequence in New York where he's riding the horse. So I've seen, I don't know if you guys have seen the set photos of this. They built a whole set. I think they might have even done some location work, and they had a ton of extras for it. And the way they actually make the film look in the final cut, it looks all fake to me. I, I didn't buy anything in this sequence is looking real. And I can't believe, like, of all the actual onset work they did, and then it just looks like this in the end. I could not believe how bad this actually looked. It didn't look great. I mean, there were shots that looked pretty good, but overall, even just like camera placement, which is something that I think Mangold's very good at, mm-hmm. I, I don't think was very good, especially in this sequence. Um, it, it looked fake. It looked like they were shooting around not having people, even though they did have people. Um, yeah. And when they panned back, it didn't look real. So yeah, it was weird shades of the, the i think it's specter opening sequence yeah in mexico. but that looked way better is it mexico but yeah like yeah. that obviously that's like what yeah. what to do and this was what not to do yeah mm-hmm. i was also reminded of specter in that this entire movie just looks beige like that's the color palette they chose for <laughs> this and the opening of specter because you know it has the mexico filter just looks beige yeah, the filter and this entire movie has that fil- not like that filter to it, but it's just it, that's just kind of the color palette they chose. And I was not a fan of it um, overall. So that's another production complaint from me on this one. Yeah, sequence itself is is whatever. Uh, Helena escapes with the half of the dial, I believe. And in- Indy is a fugitive now. Yeah, they think he ki- they, say, they think he killed those people. So this is one of like the major problems I have with the movie because they oh, yeah. set this up as a huge deal. And it's yeah. gone as soon as, he, as, soon as he's on the plane. It never pops and up And he again. leaves and they never speak of it again. When they when he comes yeah. back, they didn't even have a one line saying no. even on the news. They could have they could have a line on TV on the news that um, Professor Jones was cleared, um, I, blah, 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 you know, I, whatever. Just say something. And they said, I totally forgot about, about it. it. I totally yeah. forgot about that <laughs> right. plot point. They even made the whole thing like he sees, the, you know, the blood on the phone, like his that's his hand. So that's his mm-hmm. fingerprints all over it. Like they make a really big deal of this entire thing. And then it's just yeah. gone. It, ju- it seems like just an excuse use because they don't want the angle to be he wants to go back for one more adventure for whatever reason they need right. to give an excuse for him to to get out of the country and yeah, but at least for him wrap to chase that up the at dial. the end i agree it's stupid yeah <laughs> i'm just trying to tell you that was probably their idea well, and they why. just forgot about yeah. it um it does it does set up our first fan service moment which is sala john reese davy returns still wearing yeah. his fez his family mm-hmm. has emigrated to the states apparently indy helped them move during or shortly after the war so they've been there like for 25 years or so what do you say? In a, in a very fake-looking New York backdrop. I oh, might God. Add. Yeah, well, that too. Oh. I said I liked him as a dad. He's a granddad now. He well, was granddad. a dad in the first movie. Yeah, sorry, um, granddad. Well, just w- w- him with kids is what I should yes. say. More. Yeah, he's fun. John Reese davies yeah. is still fun. You can have opinions mm-hmm. on them casting him as an Egyptian 40, 40-something years ago, um, which I do, yeah. but it is what it is at this point. They're, mm-hmm. They were just going to bring back characters they could bring back, and they chose him because he's still alive, and he was fine. They still have good chemistry and all that. He only gets a couple short scenes with Indy, but Indy gets on a plane, and 
I was going to mention little things that make this not feel like an Indiana Jones movie. The opening scene, we don't have the Paramount logo transition into a mountain. They have the Lucasfilm logo Lucas transition into like a door bolt or whatever yeah. instead. And here they don't do the tracing the map thing when he's on the plane. They do it on a boat later. They, do but they don't later. do it when he gets on yeah. the plane. I don't get no. it. Yeah, just do it every time. It's This I, is where I sound the most like there, a lame fanboy, but it's like well, you clearly knew you clearly had these things in mind because you kind of did them and you just decided to do them differently for no there, real reason. There are plenty of things that you can cut in this movie because it's way too long. There's an yeah. entire sequence that I think they should have just gotten rid of, but mm -hmm. like probably multiple, but maybe especially one that I just didn't care for. Um but yeah, just add the little things that make it feel like indie. Yeah. And it, they were kind of lacking. They were also kind of there. It's a it's a weird little middle ground they came up with. So we get mm -hmm. to Tangier. Uh, there's a black market auction. Uh, we meet, I think his name's Teddy, the the kid character. And yeah. it's funny it that is. they they set up later. It is literally Indian short round dynamic, like exactly that Helena and Teddy have. Mm -hmm. He tried to steal something from her and, and she caught him and they became friends. It's like the exact same thing. Like literally. This is one thing that just didn't work at all for me in the movie was he was fine bad. but he was not as I, fun I, as they clearly thought he well, was i feel bad because i didn't think he was fine i was annoyed by him like i uh, I, I, I didn't really like honestly him. i didn't mind him i i, yeah. I kind of like that whole dynamic with him and yeah. helena i didn't love it i mean it's there the were moments that worked there were moments that were fine but overall i was just not really into it we get we get our first big chase sequence which we talked about i think before before we recorded uh, Harrison Ford is 80 years old. He's not running around much in this movie. So you put him in cars or golf carts or whatever the or hell he's driving around in this movie <laughs> or bikes or whatever buggy. it is. Yeah. yeah, this is a buggy. That's that's a much better term for it. Um, yeah. Some of these are good. It's just that there's way too many chase scenes. Yeah, it's like all they can do. And I personally, not that I thought they were terrible, but they all felt weightless to me. That's the best word I can describe them with. It's like funny that we bring up Spectre because I think the action in that movie, for whatever reason, feels weightless to me. And I kind of felt yeah, that here. I agree. It's like not bad necessarily. I don't like how it looks, but I could get past that if it were just well crafted or whatever. But it just kind of did nothing for me. And this was the first of many sequences like that. Um, so we get a big chase sequence where the dial kind of goes back and forth, which I thought like that's kind of an indie thing where you just have a bunch of like twists and turns with the MacGuffin and like all in the same big sequence. And I thought that was fine, but the sequence itself was just kind of whatever. Honestly, this was the first sequence in the movie that actually kind of like caught my attention. It was that, okay. Like, I was, I was kind of like captivated by like from start to finish. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't amazing, but it was definitely a step up. I thought from the, the yeah. sequence in the very beginning and then the uh, one in new york yeah i liked yeah i like this much better than the new york obviously i liked the beginning more than than you both but this i actually did quite like this chase scene especially because it was like well i guess the there it was kind of a chase with the parade thing but this was essentially the first big chase scene in a yeah. vehicle and i was enjoying it like i was i was into it i was fine with it it didn't pull me out it wasn't i wasn't bored by it at all so yeah, the vehicle chase scenes are this franchise's specialty historically, mm -hmm. um, and this like this was not one of the better ones, but it was still fun, and we get a couple more later in the movie. Um, I did enjoy the setup before this, like the little black market auction thing, and you get it was a trailer moment I think of the moment where all the guys pull their guns in India and he just drops to the floor. Like I thought that was fun. Right. That was, that was not yeah. cute. Again, there's cute moments spread, sprinkled throughout this, but it doesn't like become something cohesive enough for me. That's kind of a lot of my overriding feelings about this. But yeah, so. The CIA uh, apprehends uh, Mads Mikkelsen, whose name is Voller, Jürgen Voller. And when he said his name, I didn't make out what he was saying. I couldn't understand it because of the audio mixing or whatever. So I didn't know what his name was the entire movie. Oh, um, really? 
Yeah, I knew and it that when was, I was watching. That was another. Th- that was another yeah. thing for me. It's like that's a very. I've seen that complaint about the Avatar movies on Twitter. People are like, name a character from the Avatar movies. As I was watching this movie, I couldn't actually remember anyone's name except Indiana Jones, basically. Yeah, I just referred to him as Mads Mikkelsen all the time. Yeah, I, and I've been doing that this entire review. Honestly, every every single one of his roles, I always refer to him as Mads Mikkelsen just because he's that like, he just has that much of a presence. I don't know. Put some respect on Lashif's name. Yeah, Lashif. Le- that Lashif. Yeah, 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 I know Lashif. Like, okay. Yeah. What's his What's his name in Doctor Strange? Kai, Kai something. Mads. Casilius. <laughs> Mads. Yeah, Mads. Yeah, Casilius. I think that's right. Yeah. Said something like it. <laughs> Okay. And obviously Hannibal, Hannibal Lecter. But yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway. That's a whole different thing. Yes. Um, so we get to Greece at this point. This this pissed me off so much. Why is Antonio Banderas in this movie? <laughs> this is the <laughs> sequence I said they should just completely cut out of the movie. <laughs> a glorified cameo. Okay. However. No, cameo- cameos have a point, usually. They at least elicit some reaction from you or they're designed for some this end. Should have been he literally could knew. be any other like any other actor. It like any, should have been a minor actor, you know, whatever, or it should have been a character we knew. Yes. Not- yeah, like I, I don't mind the, the sequence. It's just like the, the casting of Antonio Banderas was just kind of like a glorified cameo. It type sets thing, an expectation like, that they didn't fall stunt, for him. Stunt like he cast I just yeah. didn't enjoy so what they do in that scene is because he he has a boat and he's a diver. So they're taking him to to dive to look for the yeah. other part of the dial or whatever. Or no, for the whatever it is, the 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 compass ish thing to yeah. try to get to there. Whatever Here's where it gets convoluted. Yeah, to find the second half of the dial. To a map yeah. to the dial. Yeah. Right. Very uh, very rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. But <laughs> like I just didn't enjoy watching the diving scene. I don't think it was shot very oh, well. And, yeah. I wasn't excited by it. Um they tried was, to be clever with eels being looking like snakes and whatever yeah. like that that I didn't like. I don't know. I just didn't I just wasn't into this and then the fact that it was just to have Antonio Banderas and then kill him. Um yeah. to make like a big deal of that. I'm like I just I didn't need any of it. I really didn't. Yeah. Yeah, the the diving was another sequence that I thought visually was just too dark and I couldn't make out what was going on. Plus you have the fact that you can only make out who anybody is by if you know if you know what their hair looked like when they went into the water. That's the only way you can tell who anybody is in that sequence. And the only person I actually could tell for sure was Harrison Ford because his hair was white and everyone else had dark hair. Um so it was just kind of disorienting geographically and everything. And uh, we should mention before this point the one actual dialogue scene they get on the boat, which is kind of yes. important. Um yes. by far the best acting moment of the movie is Harrison Ford getting joked up when he reveals officially that his son died. Uh, they don't yeah. say Vietnam, but that's obviously what was happening at the time. Um, so, and he just kind of went off to war just to piss his dad off, which I think is accurate for both characters. Um, that 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 mm-hmm. all tracks for me. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Again, I don't like the the fact that they had to undo the happy ending and everything to make this movie happen. But if they were gonna do it, it feels even for Shia LaBeouf, who's not a great guy, and even for a character everyone hated, this felt a little, little harsh. Um, yeah. But it's the it, second time. It's a decent. It, it's a decent setup for what they're trying the, to do. It's the second time he's been killed off screen before the fifth in the movie fifth movie in the franchise. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and I think I liked that other uh, one more than I liked this one at the time. I, I still I'd have haven't to go back seen that one. Just know that yeah. happens. <laughs> not great. Um, yeah, yeah. So you, you get kind of like the whole ethos of the movie kind of talked about in that sequence and the big, the big character establishing moment. And I think that's kind of where you get the turn for Helena at that point when she kind of understands Indy better and understands like kind of why he needs this and everything. I don't think it all comes across clearly, but I can see what they're going for, I guess. So yeah, I I would call it the best emotional beat of the movie. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yep. 
the ending works as an emotional beat, but it's also a cheat code. So yeah, it is. yeah, <laughs> this is the most yeah in movie the most earned like, thing rough. the movie has. Yeah, it's yes. earned. Yeah, the ending and is a, you can you can do whatever you want there. Like, yes, with that you know. Yeah, so we get what I think is I don't know if I'd say the the best sequence of the movie, but I did think it was a fun tense sequence. Um, so we get the sequence, uh, Mads Mikkelsen, everyone arrive, they kill Antonio Banderas, and they're trying to get all this information out of them about the location of everything. And Phoebe Waller-Bridge is kind of misleading them. She's pretending to work with them to get them to where they need to go like as she's line. trying to get them out of the sequence. One or two scenes ago, she gives Teddy, the kid, like she sees that he stole a lighter or whatever, and he's playing around with a lighter, right? And then in this sequence, they have to light dynamite, and she gives Indy the lighter, and it makes no sense to me. It felt like that that was a total setup for the kid to help them, and he just didn't. And I thought that yeah. was weird. No, because just his felt like, entire thing was just to help with the thing at the end that he helps with, even though they kind of cheat that, too. This movie has, like, three different sets of credited writers, and I think there were very clearly three very different versions of this movie that all got meshed together because of the development hell that this movie went through for... I think it was announced like 2015, 2016. It's been a long. Uh, I mean, I think in 20, yeah, like very early on, they at least announced we're going to be doing this movie. I don't know when they actually started writing yeah. it and all that. And, yeah, and I don't know the process of everything, but David Cap is credited, and I'm like, oh, he was there when Spielberg was on board, and they changed course after Spielberg left. They have two other guys that are credited, and then Mengel gets an, an individual credit as well. I assume he did the final rewrite or whatever. Yeah. Jonathan Kazdan was on the movie at some point, and then was he? he got taken off, and I guess he didn't get credited, but yeah. <laughs> I did not hear that part, but all that to say, all these little things that don't add up, I imagine is just kind of stuff that was lost in translation with the many ver versions of the script, and I think you can tell how hastily rewritten a lot of it feels, but... We get to Sicily. Well, they, okay. they take the boat yes. from there. The Tomb of Archimedes. Yeah. Yeah. So they escape on a boat and Mads has the greatest set of binoculars of all time. He watches he them does. for a long, 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 long time and sees what <laughs> direction really they're does. going. And he finds them very easily once they get back like to shore. They're going west, not east or whatever he says. Yeah. yeah. Or, or Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> I think they mislead him and say it might be in Greece that they tell him to go and then they go to Italy mm -hmm. instead. I don't remember exactly, but. Yeah. Some, some little detail that she left out of the story essentially that she was saying to mislead them. yeah yeah they get back to italy and we get another chase sequence here and it revolves around them stealing the kid they capture the kid to try and kind of um just to get indian helena's attention because they need them and all that for leverage yeah yeah like i'm also forgetting I'm, I'm forgetting a lot of details now this wikipedia synopsis is not helping me enough but yeah, this like you get the exposition about how she knows the kid and everything like that in the scene before, and then they kidnap him, and then we get a very long protracted sequence in the tombs, which um, you get the trailer line where Indy's just recounting all the stuff that happened in Temple of Doom for no reason, really. Yeah. He just kind of no. mentions I've been hit by voodoo or whatever the hell he says, and drink the blood he of things from whatever. Other, uh, yeah, a few other movies. Like he mentions, I think the did he say the Ra the thing from Raiders at the end? I don't know. He says a lot of stuff. I think he only mentions the Temple of Doom stuff, it and it felt weird to me. I, I, I could be wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just it's just like oh, reminding you of things that you knew before. But yeah, this is uh, this is where we get to our when we start getting to the fun stuff is kind of during it after this sequence. This is um, this is when I pulled the Undertaker and came back to life, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because um, I, I didn't like like all this stuff, like the plot and like what they're doing here. I was at least following it, and I wasn't disliking any of this, but it wasn't anything special. Once they got kind of into the tomb and everything, I'm like, okay, I, we're getting to the good stuff here. Like I was, I was yeah. like you said, like with the Undertaker thing, I wasn't completely mm -hmm. out of it like you were, but I definitely sat more forward in my seat. I'm like, okay, let's go. 
I was never out of the movie just because I was, I think in the review I said I was the dog waiting for Fry to get back in Futurama the whole movie, just waiting for something mm. to finally happen. I was like, all right, this is going to be the scene. This is going to be the scene. And it kept not really happening. This is where it kind of started to go that direction. Another weird indie staple that they hate to use the uh, word, but they subvert. Indy always fights the big giant guy. There is yes. always a big henchman that Indy fights. I think he fights him briefly, but Mads Mikkelsen has that guy. And this guy dies because the kid drowns him. And I thought that was a strange beat to, to hit <laughs> in this movie. Very weird. Uh, just another, just another strange, uh, strange little thing. Uh, so the kid escapes and gets back with Indy and Helena. I think Indy gets shot and they really pause in that moment for a second that you're like, oh, he will actually die if he doesn't get help. Like I was convinced he was going to die by the end of the movie just because he'd gotten shot. Like that was going to kind of be whatever his yeah, final decision point. would be. That was going to be kind of their way to justify it was kind of what I was thinking. Because of how the movie ends, I wish he didn't get shot. Um, I wish he yes. got injured where they were after this because he's uh, essentially yeah, taken right. out of the movie at this point. He's just tied up. I would rather He's have taken him out of the involved. movie and the ultimate choice he has becomes easier when you get yeah. the idea of I'm going to die anyway. Right. So, yeah, we'll get to that. We should mention they finally uncover Archimedes tomb itself and the other half of the dial is there and he's got a watch he on, a watch. which is interesting. Yes. They were not Where I thought they were going here was there was going to be like a paradox and that was actually Indy's corpse. That's what I thought they were going to do. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> so, so he, here's why. Another plant that they that I thought they were going to do something with. Earlier, Teddy, I think in the first uh, chase scene, they say he stole Sean Connery's watch. That was my dad's watch, and they didn't bring attention to it again. I thought it was going to be the same watch is what I thought it was. I was immediately disproven by the fact that he didn't, when he saw the watch in the tomb, he didn't say this is my dad's watch. But for a split second, I thought that was going to be Indy in the grave wearing his dad's watch is what I thought this movie was going to do. That That's my justification for it. That would have been terrible. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> but it. But I thought they were still going to do it because this movie was not really working for me. I thought they might do that. Um, they didn't, thankfully, but that's where I thought it was going to go. I just wanted to mention that. that. <laughs> yes. I just... That's wild. I watch movies and I hear things that like feel out of place and I'm just like, that's got to be a, a, a bad script plant for later. And I thought that was another case of that and it wasn't. Anyway, um, so moving on. Not one of my proudest moments, but I felt I bring it up because it was funny. <laughs> So they reassemble the dial in Voller. Um, he brings Indy with them. Helena and Teddy chase after them. Helena's like on a bike getting aboard the plane that Indy and all the uh, Nazis are on. And a weird thing that also didn't really work for me was so Teddy steals a plane. They set up that he can kind of fly a plane with a little mechanism he's using in the first scene. And there's a, I don't know if it's a German in the back of the plane with him, but you see there's a guy sleeping in the plane and they're just friends all of a sudden. Like there's no tension with it whatsoever <laughs> after he wakes well, up. I mean, I think he's realizing like I'm dead that, if I don't. That's my only way back. Yeah, yeah right. I get it. <laughs> but this was my thing with him though too. It's like they set up the plane thing, but they, I think they kind of realized how dumb it would be if he could just fly a plane perfectly. So they're like, let's just make a pilot be asleep with him, <laughs> like to help sure. him, you know? Yeah. So all he really has to do is take off. Helena kind of sneaks aboard the plane, and this is where you get... I'm torn whether I think they should have revealed this earlier in the movie, but Mads Mikkelsen's actual plan. He wants to go back to 1939 and not save Hitler. He wants to kill Hitler because he saw all the mistakes Hitler was making that lost the Nazis the war. I fucking love this angle, and they do nothing yeah. with it. It was a great motivation, and it's why did they wait until the very end to reveal it? Yeah. 
It's so interesting. It's a fun twist, but it's not so good a twist that I'm like, you have to wait until the third act for this. Right. It, yeah. it would have been way, way better more... as a driving force from his first scene in the future. Exactly. Like, I love this plot point, And that's one of the things that's like, oh, that's really cool. I like this about the movie. But yeah, it should have been something we knew from at least mid-movie, if not the beginning mm-hmm. with his character. The yeah. the midpoint definitely like yeah. you you reveal that during like yeah. the midpoint climax and it's like it turns the entire movie on its head. You're mm-hmm. like, oh shit, that's what he's trying to do. Right. Yeah. Even if you revealed it on the boat, some just a little earlier. It's not enough of a shift to like change our main character like our good guy's motivations in any way. He still wants to bring the Nazis back to power, whether it's whether this is his plan or whether just fixing things in the past and saving Hitler is his plan. As far as they know, they want to bring the Nazis back to power and alter the course of history. Either way, it's like the motivation for the good guys doesn't really change as a, as a result of this, which I think is part of the reason it doesn't totally land, but it's cool and I wish they did more with it, like I said. Yes. But we get probably the coolest moment in the movie to me, not when they go in the portal. Oh, yeah. But Indy being smarter than everyone else like he always is because every single movie, the villains die from their hubris and Indy knows better and he knows exactly how to stop it or get around it. And he outsmarts everybody. The line, the the reading from Harrison Ford when he says, you're sure as hell not going to 1939 Mm -hmm. is the best part of this movie. I I love it so much. I'm so glad you agree. I'm so glad you think so, because I was going to mention when he says the words continental drift mm-hmm. yep. a chill went up my spine <laughs> mm-hmm. i was like holy fuck yeah of course he's the only person to think about it of fucking course it all it all tracks perfectly i love it and the villain's too stupid and self-obsessed and just obsessed with the idea to actually think about the logistics of it even though he spent his whole life thinking about it and then you see mads mickelson slowly starting to unravel he's like turn oh, around no. oh wait a and minute already oh, fuck. yeah yeah well, at first, at first, he just brushes him off, and then, like, right. like yeah. it's, it's like, like I think they stay on him for, like, it's 10, 15 stews. seconds where he just puts it all together, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, yeah, we're fucked, and he wants him to turn around. That was around. so good. What's, that yeah. was What's so What's interesting good. about this, though, is the whole continental drift thing was kind of wrong because of what the dial ended up being, like, what the purpose of it was. Right, right, but right. at the same that time... That didn't matter in the end, but... He knew, even if that reasoning was wrong, he knew that they were not going to where they thought they were yes. going to go. right. Although I will say, I wasn't thinking about it perfectly from a scientific standpoint when it happened. What I thought it would be was just that they were going to be somewhere different geographically. Oh. At least, like, whether it was the same time or not, they were not going back to Germany was what I thought was going to happen. That's not where they went. But just because when I think of continental drift, that's all I think of is the Location. fact that all the continents went to different places. Mm-hmm. That's where my brain went. Um, but that's not what happens. They go a little bit further back in time than 1939. We go to 212 BC is uh, is where we go. And funny but enough, really quick, yeah, really quick. Can I tell you where I thought they were going to go at first? Oh, tell me, like tell before me. they before they finally revealed it, I thought they were going to go to present day, like twenty twenty three. Oh, I would have. The future would have been that. an interesting. Wrinkle. I wouldn't have liked the future as in like current day. It would have been interesting if it was like Blade Runner, three thousand, <laughs> like you know. Well, Blade mean, Runner's the past now. Well, it's yeah, but I mean, like as far as visually, like something different. I gotcha. Yeah, that would require the movie to have any interesting visuals whatsoever, which they were not on board no. with. But I digress. So we go through this portal thing. We get to 212 BC. The siege of Syracuse is happening. And uh, who should be down on the surface there? But Archimedes, of course. And then I'm like, oh, that's what this movie's going to be. This is one thing I'll mention that I did see. I saw people in Roman costumes on set. I saw those set photos. And I'm just like, oh, hmm, they're going back in time. Yeah. What I thought this movie was and what I, what in hindsight I think it should have been is actual like skipping through time multiple different you know like you do in every time travel movie skipping through multiple different points in time i thought that would have kept things fresh and interesting right and it didn't happen here they saved it for the very end and 
it's funny how they mention it because like i don't know if they ever say the words time travel but the movie still wants you to know from very early on that that's what it's going to be and they hold it off for so long that i think i was still disappointed in what we got ultimately just because it was yeah. just this one point in time and they're there kind of briefly and i think it gets very messy for, uh, from here until the end unfortunately yeah i i think i agree with you i think i would have liked like a time hopping movie a little yeah. more I that would have been a really cool concept at least one other location like or one other time period yeah, 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 for sure. I do like the part where everyone on the ground's like, "It's a dragon!" When they see the planes, mm-hmm. I thought that was cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, Don't yeah forget so... really quick, did did he mention in his little like because he was teaching about this moment in the beginning of the movie? That's kind of like the big tie-in. Um, was that did did he say like, "Oh, and they thought they had dragons"? Like there were you know at that point, I, I feel like that was mentioned, but I could. Ooh, I don't remember. Wrong. That sounds right. All I remember from that is he says Syracuse, and they make it a Syracuse, New York joke because they're in New York. That's but all yeah, I remember. Yeah, because it shows a student like uh, elbow the person next to him. It's like not that Syracuse, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. So what I do like is that, of course, immediately the Nazis are just shooting everybody on the surface with all their plane or all their guns from the plane and everything, and uh, they get fucked up, and that plane crashes, and yes, it's kind of it's kind of a very quick resolution for for all those characters. They're all dead once they crash and everything. And Mads Mikkelsen's face got really torn up when he when he died and everything. Mm-hmm. I was hoping for a little bit more, but it's still, if nothing else, this movie still nails the fact that the villain always gets theirs in the very end by just by their, their own, own hubris, hubris and everything like that. Like that that all still tracks for me and still works here. Yeah. It backfired on him horribly and he had a horrible death. I wish again, like I, the whole pacing and like stuff of this movie could have been different. If just make the scene happen a little bit earlier, like cut out a few things and make them actually mm-hmm. land. And be involved yes. in a fight instead of just on the plane and then crashing and dying, because that would have been a lot more interesting. Because they're they're not there very long, like mm-hmm. you it's know, like ten minutes maybe. Yeah, it gets to the decision yeah. moment really quickly. They all die, and Indy and Helen have to jump out and use parachutes and everything. So they land on the surface of the planet. Indy is still wounded and hurting. Archimedes meets them. They have a little bit of interaction, and then we get which I thought kind of felt out of nowhere, even though I get the idea of his arc in the movie. He wants to stay behind in the past. And we had a long discussion about this, at least Arcadio and I did, and I am still not a fan of this idea at all. I think this actual idea, because it's like because of the way the movie is, yeah, that's another thing. If they'd done more time travel, the idea of him wanting to stay in the past would have actually resonated for me more. But the fact that they just got here and he's already thinking about wanting to stay behind I, that just doesn't track for me. I get the idea that he has nothing in his present life. I think it would have worked better if he actually felt like like having Helena with him and being on one last adventure rekindled his passion for life, but they don't go with that angle at all. He doesn't really have any actual agency in his own fate in this sequence either, because uh, he gets punched out and gets taken back to the present day forcibly, essentially. He's just passive with this whole thing, and that's a complaint about the movie as a whole, obviously, because Harrison Ford can't do a lot of the action and everything like that, but as a character here, he feels so passive because he doesn't, like, he makes his decision, and it just gets kind of taken away from him, and I think it's supposed to be maybe a kind of funny moment when he gets punched in the face, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't land for me, like, at all. Okay, here's where I've landed on it, I think. The way that he was, like, geeking out so hard when he saw Archimedes... And like the reverence that he treated him with and all that. Like I almost, I I honestly would not have minded if they did end up like having him just stay in the past and die. Because like it kind of would have felt poetic for his character, like how much he loves history and all that. And in that moment, like Harrison Ford's performance, like kind of made me believe that that was actually going to happen. So I honestly wouldn't have minded it. I also didn't mind the way that it actually ended up being. 
But I agree with what you're saying in that it definitely, like, even, like, the whole third act of the movie, like, after he gets shot, he just has, like, no agency. And I get that that's also kind of, like, a thing with Indiana Jones movies in general. Kind of, Like, Raiders yeah. of the Lost Ark is, is, that's, like, a big, like, oh, Indiana Jones does nothing through the whole movie and all that. But, yeah, I, I, I understood the temptation for him to want to stay in the past. Yeah. But I on it, I also didn't mind what they ended up doing with it. I I would have teetered towards not liking the movie if he stayed in the past for me. Um, yeah. Especially with the way it played out and the way the third act was actually structured and, and everything and what they showed of that. Like, I, it didn't give him enough time for me to be like, okay, he really just wants to stay here and die and be a part of history. Like, I get the concept of it, but it didn't work for me for the franchise. As an ending to the franchise, I did not want that to be how it ended. So I'm glad they did what they did. And that's where it like kind of, because as it was doing that, I'm like, if, is this going to happen? I'm not going to like this movie. And then it doesn't. Helena punches him. They go back, that whole thing. But like, yeah. I do wish he made the decision um, to go back. Like maybe Helena gives a, a big speech or something to him to kind of help convince him, kind of like um, his dad in Last Crusade about letting go, uh, you know, that whole thing. But um, yeah, I the punch thing was funny. Like I did laugh at it, but when I thought back on it, I was like, I wish he just made the decision himself to go. That last bit you just talked about, Bobby is why I can't agree with Arcadia's idea that this is a poetic ending for that character or that it's a fitting end for that character. If you were to stay behind his whole thing, particularly, I mean, he kind of goes back on it in Raiders. Um, but in Raiders, his big character moment is that he decides to forgo the Ark and he just mm -hmm. wants Marion. Like he chooses to uh, like ignore the, what he, what he desires archeologically and just goes for what he thinks is right. Even though he still goes back on it when he gets tempted with the idea. Um, but in last crusade, that's the big moment is that mm -hmm. he, he gets his dad and everyone else's obsession with the, with, uh, with the grail in that moment. And he gets told to let it go. And so he does. And to me, that's what that, if, if you could ever find an arc that's happened throughout this entire series, that's happened for that character. That was it is that, when push comes to shove, he realizes what's important and what's right. And it's not staying back in history with all the dead people and everything like that. So that wouldn't track as a character choice for me based on what we've seen in all these other movies. I think it would be regressive. If, if anything, it would be regressive for that character at this point for him to stay in the past. I think it would have worked far better to show him what all the good stuff that still exists in his life and in the world today, like, um, which we kind of see in that final scene. But like you said, a speech from uh, from Helena in that moment explaining that to him, I think would work way better. It would also kind of be a good full circle moment for her as a character who didn't care about any of this stuff at the start and then sort of gets swept away in it, but still realizes what's important at the end of the day. I also brought up, I think it would have been interesting if she's the one who wanted to stay behind because she actually fell in love with the idea of like being into history so much. I think that would have made a bit more sense than what happened here. If she just becomes the voice of reason. But if she started off as a character who didn't care about this and then just the allure of everything got to her by the end of the movie, I think that's a more interesting angle to take, but they didn't. Yeah. The other thing I was going to say is if, if she did give a speech, they would have had to give more things in the movie that she could actually, you know, have a speech about the things that yeah. she enjoyed. That you have nothing in your life. On. You had nothing at that point. Um, yeah. But they, they could have written their way into that working a lot better to me, but Overall, of this section, though, like, again, mixed bag for me. There, I thought it was really cool seeing Nazis against the Romans. I thought that was like, okay, this is really cool. I like this for indie, yeah, seeing history. Definitely. This is badass. Mm -hmm. This is fun. But it was rushed, and it was a little clunky. And, like, I kind of like where it 
takes it at you know whatever and that they get back to the to the, uh, their present day but still yeah very much a mixed bag again as far as like acts in the movie yeah all that stuff is just kind of too little too late for me unfortunately but to wrap up the movie we get back to present day indy wakes up he's still alive and he's back in his apartment he's got his arm in a sling because he got shot like in the shoulder i guess is where he got shot and everything right uh helen is there and he's confused about what happened uh more and more people come inside Saul, i think Saul comes in first and then lastly or i think it's either Saul or teddy i don't remember but uh with them is marion marion's finally back i knew that was another thing i knew karen allen was in the movie i didn't know what the context was i thought she would get an early scene with indy where they like finalize their divorce or something uh i honestly didn't think they were going to actually reunite them at least going into the movie i thought it was going to be something different but that's not what we get here. We get a nice uh, tender scene between Harrison Ford and Karen Allen. They still have great chemistry after 40-something years. They were still very fun together and very cute together in in Crystal Skull, both as older people. And they're obviously older now, and they still have that same kind of chemistry. I love the yes, callback because it doesn't much. feel I like... I love the callback. It, do, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like the most famous Indian and Marian, Indian Marian moment to me, but it's one of my favorites is that whole sequence where tell me where it hurts, and, and, it, and it fits perfectly for this scene because of all the emotional damage they both went through. Um, I love that idea, and they rekindle at that point. And I think it's a great callback. It got me choked up. Again, it's a cheat code because I love those two together, so it's just unfair. But the movie didn't really earn it, but I enjoyed it nonetheless. Yeah, this is like where I said it fi- It finally like settled, like, okay, for a movie that's ending the franchise, I mean, it, as far as we know, that's what they're doing. I mm-hmm. liked how they left it off. I really like that he got back with Marion. I liked that entire scene. Um, I like that he grabs his hat. Like we talked about that, and the, yeah. like, the yeah. implications of it, that could be. And he fucks in the hat. Up, maybe. Fucks the hat stays on during sex. On. Uh, I thought that was really <laughs> funny and just a very Indiana Jones type moment. Like the way it wrapped up, I was like, okay, I I like this movie. I don't love it. There's a lot of it that I could do without, but overall, I like the movie, and so I I really did, and I did choke up. I liked the entire ending, so that's where it more got me. I, I was fine with where it ended after everything was said and done. Like, again, I kind of had the allure of maybe wanting him to stay in the past. I don't know. But yeah, I and like I said, I don't have a big history with these movies, but I did also get choked up at the end between him and Karen Allen. Like, that was mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, but uh, that's where it ends. The last shot is him pulling the hat in. Uh, he fucks with the hat, like we said. And that's the end of Dial of Destiny. Another weird thing. They cut to black for the credits, which they've never done before in the Indiana Jones movies. It's kind of wacky. But yeah, that's the movie. I was disappointed. Like, even though the closer we got, the less I thought it would actually be very good. Like, I still thought, if anyone's going to like this, it might still be me. And I was still let down by it, unfortunately. I'll watch it again. Like, I don't think I'll skip it if I'm watching these movies necessarily. I'll still watch it when, when I, whenever I'm watching through the series. I never skipped Crystal Skull even when I went through my phase of thinking it was bad because everyone else told me it was bad. Um, I'll, I'll keep giving this one chances. Maybe it'll do something for me, but I don't foresee it becoming much better over the years for me. Yeah, I I mean, generally when I watch these movies, I do just kind of watch the original three. I've watched Crystal Skull in the rewatches just once. Like, and I've rewatched the movie a couple times in, since it came out, but like when I'm watching all of them, I usually just watch the three. I, I don't know what I'll do now that there's the five of them and that this one, there's a lot of stuff that I do want to see again, but I mean, yeah, I'm not thrilled with how it ended as far as like how it, the, the franchise went out, but I can at least say that I, you know, overall kind of like the movie. I will watch these movies again and I will not skip this movie because i i 
I do want to give it another chance because again, I was just kind of in and out of it for a lot of the runtime, but yeah, uh, not like the worst thing in the world. Just not something that I particularly enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. We are all, I think very degrees of letdown, unfortunately by this. So if there are actual more variances in opinion, this would have maybe been a bit more interesting of a conversation. If someone like actually loved the movie, I'd be, I've seen a lot of actual positivity for it more than I thought there would be, I would say. Um, so I'd be curious to see why people love this movie uh, because I didn't personally see it with a lot of stuff here. Um, but I'd be curious to see what people, how people would defend this movie. I'd be at least curious about that. All right, we're going to stop it there for today with the end of the Indiana Jones chat. Next episode, I'm going to get into Zelda Tears of the Kingdom with Bobby and Janov. If you would like to follow any of us, please check the links in the description below. Hope you guys enjoyed this one, and we will catch you next time for part two where we talk about Tears of the Kingdom. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.